Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Usually I don't start out like this with a direct talking to you kind of thing. Um, I guess I'm always talking to you, but I do it, you know, with sound effects and building up interest in whatever the topic is this week. But this time I wanted to, I wanted to address something that I thought was really cool. Uh, I, in the spirit of continually learning and correcting my mistakes and things like that, there has been some confusion about the direction of the sun and the moon across the sky. And I think I interpreted some things uh, incorrectly ages ago at this point in the episode where I talked about that, but was uh, very kindly uh, informed and corrected uh, through an email. So thank you to Kristen K. Kristen wrote an email and said, notice discussions regarding this on a show I just listened to. I did some rereading and noticed that when the sun and moon started rising, there were some complications. This concluded in, quote, but soon the sun was drawn down by the servants of Ulmo and went then in haste under the earth and so came unseen to the east and there mounted the heaven again, lest night be over long and evil walk under the moon. Then a few sentences later, Varda commanded the moon to journey in like manner, passing under earth to arise in the east but only after the sun had descended from heaven. So this passage here, if if you actually put all the pieces together, means that the sun and the moon move the same direction that they do on Earth. It rises, they both rise in the east and they set in the west. And the confusion comes around the passage of... Um, it's it's the same passage that Gandalf talks to Pippin in the movies about the the under a swift sunrise uh, that whole like over in the east under a swift sunrise that that quote and that doesn't necessarily mean that the sunrise is coming from the east it just means when you are over in the east during that moment there happened to be a swift sunrise so just wanted to clear all that up just wanted to put all that out there I am absolutely not 
flawless in my uh, interpretations or representations of things. And so thank you very much, Kristen, for pointing this out and helping to clarify so that myself and everybody else who listens to the show can have a a more accurate understanding of, of Tolkien's works. So just wanted to put that at the beginning. Let's move on with the rest of the show because we're down to like the last two episodes of Turin's story based on the Silmarillion. So let's move on with that. For three years now, the sounds that Turin and Neonor would have heard for most of their time would be the sounds of the forest. They've now spent three years since the sack of Nargothrond in the woods, hiding away. Remember, Turin proposes to who he calls Niniel, asks her for marriage. After three years, she's learned language, she's started to re-understand the world around her. And Turin, during this time, has gone by the name Turumbar. He has been her anchor in this world, her protector, her place of security. Can you imagine, can you just imagine what it would be like to be stripped away from all of your memories? To be like a newborn again, but in a grown body and yet have this strange sense that this man is home the only sense of anything that makes you feel safe and in that time you have that confusion the confusion that leads to brother and sister married also in those three years there is no word of Glarum They don't know what has happened in the outside world at all. They've been in the forest of Brethil, hiding away. And Turin himself has agreed not to wage war, not to go out and fight against the forces of darkness. And so in that time, they get married. They have a great feast. And then we finally have a glimpse of what may have been going on in the outside world. Glarong sends his orcs against a brethel. He moves them north. This is the first time that you see orcs marching north because his realm is now Nargothrond. It is like a fortress at this point. And he knows that there are groups of humans living in the woods, still surviving, And he's not going to mount forces directly against Thingol's people trying to get through Doriath. So he marches his orcs through Brethil. And during this time, Turin maintains his promise. He stays at home and he does not go with the men to fight the orcs. He promised Niniel that he would not. And the men of the woods who face the orcs are routed. They are destroyed. 
And Dorlis comes back. Remember Dorlis? He's one of the men of the Woods of Brethel. And basically berates him. Why weren't you there with us? We needed you. Why wouldn't you aid the people who you have now taken to be your own in a time of need? And it's in that moment that Turin realizes that he cannot sit idle. He has to protect his home. So he stands back up, grabs hold of the black sword again, gathers a company of other men, the men that have come back, probably some of the ones who did not go the first time. And with the black sword, he routes the orcs utterly defeats them. But word gets back to Glarung that the Black Sword is now in Brethil. And Glarung is not an idiot. Glarung is smart. We've already seen that. And wise. It's ways beyond things that he should be able to know. He can somehow suss out of the minds around him. And he puts together the details. And he ponders on this. And we are told that he devises a new evil. And then we're given some more information. Something that, in most cases, would have been a moment of good, of happiness. Ninio, Nienor, conceives. She becomes with child. And Tolkien doesn't go into the details of this because he knows that his readers know what this means. Brother and sister married, brother and sister conceived. There's a darkness around this. And then in the, in the sentence following it, in fact, here, I'll just read it. It says, in the spring of the year after Ninial conceived, next part of the sentence, and she became wan and sad. There was a darkness even around her own she didn't necessarily know why the knowledge of the pregnancy made her sad. And at the same time, there came to Ethel Brandir the first rumors that Glorung had issued from Nargothrond. So in the midst of all of this, we have a what should be a happy new mother in most contexts in these kinds of stories. People marry, they bear children, they're happy to have children, they're proud to be parents. In this case, she isn't. And it doesn't explain why, which leads me to believe that deep down in her being, she knows there's something wrong with that. And then we get word that Glorung has left Nargothrond. And in the midst of all of this, throughout the time that Turin has been with these people, there are in this passage and in, in some of the passages around this talk about Brandir, the leader of the group and Turin and how Turin and Brandir have been at odds. Last episode, we talked about how Brandir had feelings for Neonor and yet she did not return them. And here we have a situation just previously where Turin leads the people against the orcs and saves the people from the orcs. It's another one of those situations we saw in Nargothrond where Turin just being himself rises to a level of esteem among the people. The people learn to flock to him in times of need. They see him as a leader. And this is in a way 
threatening to Brandier's position. And amidst all of this, word comes that Glorung has left Nargothrond. So Turin sends out scouts in order to try to see what's going on. And we're told that they follow his instructions instead of Brandier's. Because at this point, he's kind of the one in charge. <laughs> That's, it's happened again. And then we're told this. As it drew near to summer, Glaurung came to the borders of Brethil and lay near the west shores of Teeglin. And then there was great fear among the woodfolk. For it was now plain that the great worm would assail them and ravage their land and not pass by returning to Angband as they had hoped. The scouts report that this giant worm lizard dragon thing has been sighted and it gets closer and closer because he's huge. He's a gigantic beast. They see him from a far distance and he approaches the river that borders the forest and they're hoping that he will turn more northward and that he's just returning to Angband. But no, he's deciding to go to Brethil himself. And the people are panicked. They know that they can't take on a giant dragon, this giant beast, which took Nargothrond. Remember? Imagine being in the position of these people. They watched one of the greatest kingdoms of the elves sacked in a day by this dragon and its forces what would the woodsmen of brethel have in any hope against something like this so they ask turin for advice and he says you do not want to go against glorung in force basically you do not want to take up arms and send an army against this creature you will not survive. And he says specifically, for only by cunning and good fortune could they defeat him. That was his advice. The only way that we can take this creature on is by outsmarting it and through good fortune. And this is another one of those passages where, and maybe this is me just reading things into the text at this point, because it is clearly not stated like good in the blessings of the Valar or something like that. It doesn't say that it simply says good fortune. But on almost every occasion where we see luck, we see things turn for the sides of good. There's this sense that it was mandated or preordained or overseen by the will of the Valar or something like that. And I'm not sure that. Turin means that in this situation, but you can interpret that as, and maybe with the will of the Valar, we could defeat him. Just kind of a side note. It doesn't say it here. So don't, you know, don't write me and be like, but Tom, it doesn't say that right there. Yeah, I, I know. I know. But oftentimes good fortune is also tied to the will of the Valar. So we'll just leave that there. And then Turin says something very brave and I'm sure very worrying to Neonor. He offered therefore himself to seek the dragon on the borders of the land and bade the rest of the people to remain in Ethelbrandir. Basically, you all stay here. I will go myself. Now, we know what happened the last time that Turin got face to face with Glarung. It does not work out. And yet somehow he thinks that Maybe he can figure out a way to handle this 
by himself. And amidst the promise that he previously had with Neonor in order to not go to war, and here he is not even bringing men with him and saying everyone else needs to stay here. I'm sure she didn't take that very well, especially now that she's with child. And then he warns them. He says, but prepare for a fight. For if Glarung had the victory, he would come first to the woodmen's homes and destroy them. And they could not hope to withstand him. And if they then scattered far and wide, then many might escape. But Glarung would not take up his dwelling in Brethil and would soon return to Nargothrond. Basically, if I cannot accomplish this, he will come for you. So be prepared and scatter. Do not stay together because that will reduce the number of individuals that he can chase after. And then Turin asks around and says, is there anybody willing to come with me to aid me? And Dorlis is the, the only one to stand forward. Basically, he's the only one to, to stand up and say, yes, I'm with you. And in a very tense scene, I'm sure Dorlis calls out the rest of the people around him for not standing up. And then Brandir himself, he speaks scorn of Brandir, who could not play the part of the heir of the House of Halleth. Brandir, remember, is handicapped and he can't go. So in a way, it's like, well, do you really need to call him out? Because it's not like he can help it. But at the same time, Dorlis was bitter. He, he was having a hard time dealing with the situation. He felt desperate. He wished things were better. He wished there were better men around him that could stand up. And in, in his heart, he was bitter, we're told. And then Hunthor, Brandir's kinsman, asked to leave to go in his stead. So somebody stands up and says, well, if Brandir can't go, I will go. Which is noble. So Turin, Dorlis, and Hunthor leave. Turin says farewell to Ninio. And she was filled with fear and foreboding. And we're told that their parting was sorrowful, but Turambar set out with his two companions and went to Nen Girith. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, OK, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. 
Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right. Welcome to the middle of the show. Thank you, everybody, for your support and for your love. And we've got some new patrons to shout out this week. We've got Dusty R., Sweetie Tweety, that's a good name, Levi of the West, Adam H., I got to scroll up, Brandon P., Katrina H., and Connor P. Thank you so much for signing up on the Patreon. I hope you are enjoying your ad-free episodes, or if you're at Tier 2 or Tier 3, your bonus episodes. This week, we will be delving back into Tolkien's interview series, the, the 1964 interview that we've been going through. We're getting close to the end of it. And I love, I just love hearing his voice and listening to that. So if, if you want to get in on that and you aren't already, then patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast is the place to do that. And you can come join us on all of those things. Um, I'm brainstorming some other things I might be able to add to the Patreon. I'm trying to come up with some other things I think you all would appreciate. So uh, stay tuned for maybe some announcements on that side of things. Also, I need to shout out our VIP patrons that include that includes words are hard guys. Bo, Brad S, Brandy D, Chewbacca, David M, Esoteric Rage, Jesse P, Capenna 009, Larry, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Patrick W, Sam B, Shannon L, Tyler M and Wes P. Thank you to all of you and all. We're at 185 patrons. Wow. Thank you to everybody. I really do appreciate your support. You make this all very possible. And and if you have any thoughts of other things that I can add into the Patreon extra stuff to, to give you or maybe a new tier with some even cooler things, let me know your thoughts of what what might be appealing to you. And I will I will consider that. Also, we read over so many reviews last week and then this week I don't have any new ones showing up on my list. That doesn't mean that new ones haven't come in. It just means that the list hasn't updated yet. Sometimes it it is delayed by a few days because it pulls things from international sources. 
So if you if you'd like to have your words read out on a future episode of the show, then head over to Apple Podcasts and whether you listen there or not, it doesn't really matter as long as you have an account, you can leave a five-star review with a rating. Wait, five-star rating with a review. That's how it goes. And uh, I'll read out the words on a future episode of the show. And thank you to everybody who drops reviews and ratings on whatever podcast you're listening to this on. I really do appreciate. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show. So Turin and his two companions set off in order to try to figure out how to handle this dragon. And we end up with a very familiar scene still back at home. Here's what it says. Then Niniel, being unable to endure her fear and unwilling to wait in the Ethel tidings of Turumbar's fortune, sent forth after him. We've seen this before. Remember when Niniel is in Doriath and Morwen leaves and she chases after? Same kind of thing. There's that she would rather be facing the danger with the people she loves than awaiting word. And I feel like this is this is the same kind of feature you see in Turin himself. But she isn't trained in war the way Turin is, and now she's with child. So this is even more dangerous. And so a company of people decide to go with her because she's not going to take no for an answer. So again, she leaves and heads out. Now, another point of note here, notice that we still haven't heard anything about Morwen, their mother. There's no information at all yet about where she ended up. So of course, Niniel decides to leave and Brandir, who cares deeply for her, even though she's somebody else's wife at this point, is filled with dread and tries to talk her out of it. And then we get this passage. Therefore, he renounced his lordship and all love for the people that had scorned him. And having not left but his love for Niniel, he girt himself with a sword and went after her. But being lame, he fell far behind. He could not keep up with the party, but yet he still sought out behind her. And then the scene transitions back to Turin and his group. And here, I'm going to read you this section because it, it describes it fairly well. Now, Turumbar came to Nen Girith at sundown, and there he learned that Glarung lay on the brink of the high shores of Tiglin and was like to move when night fell. Then he called those tidings good, for the dragon lay at Cabaden Aris, where the river ran in a deep and narrow gorge that a hunted deer might overleap. And Turumbar thought that he would seek no further, but would attempt to pass over the gorge. So the scene that we get here is that Turin gets close and can tell that the dragon is nearby. And that the dragon is about to cross the river. And this section of the river is kind of like a, if you've ever seen a river cut into the landscape and has two cliff sides on both sides. And yet the gap between those two cliff sides is actually very close at points. The river gets very narrow and we're told that a hunted deer might overleap that gap. It's too far for somebody like a, a human 
to jump that gap, but a big giant dragon could slither over it and not fall down inside that gap. And so we get this very visual scene of a river deep below the, the cavern, I guess you could say this cavernous area with walls that go straight up that the river has kind of cut through the land. So Turin decides to use this to his advantage. It says here, therefore he proposed to creep down at dusk and descend into the ravine under night and cross over the wild water. The water is still fast and turbulent, but it's not as broad or, or, or wide that it's difficult for them to be able to cross and then to climb up the further cliff. And so come to the dragon beneath his guard, which seems like a good plan. We know that the, the underside of this dragon is the most vulnerable part. And if he can time this correctly, then maybe he can come at the dragon from not only an angle that the dragon doesn't expect, but it's most vulnerable side. But this isn't as easy for the other people that are with Turin. We're told that the heart of Dorlis failed when they came to the races of Tiglin in the dark, and he dared not attempt the perilous crossing, and he drew back and lurked in the woods, burdened with shame. Remember, Dorlis was the one that called everyone else out for not being brave enough to go. Turumbar and Hunthor, nonetheless, crossed over in safety, for the loud roaring of the water drowned all other sounds, and Glarung slept. So another benefit of the situation is that their crossing would not be heard because the water is so loud. But ere the middle night, the dragon roused, and with a great noise and blast cast his forward part across the chasm and began to draw his bulk after. The large body of the dragon now begins to make its way across this gap, this opening. So let's keep reading. Turumbar and Hunther were well nigh overcome by the heat and the stench, and they sought in haste for a way up to come at Glarung. And Hunther was slain by a great stone that was dislodged on high by the passage of the dragon, and smote him on the head and cast him into the river. And so ended of the house of Hador, not the least valiant. We barely get to know Hunther. He sets off on this journey. He's brave enough to cross the river and try to climb up the other side. And then the great body of this giant worm breaks free some of the rocks from the top of these cliff sides. And one of them smashes him in the head. And he's done. That quickly. And now Turin is left alone, climbing up the other side of this cliff. Turumbar summoned all his will and courage and climbed the cliff alone and came beneath the dragon. Let me pause real quick before we read more. Just imagine, you know he's remembering in this moment the last time he confronted Glarung and what happened and the terrible things and the manipulation and the the prodding of his mind and the, the eyes pinning him in his spot where he could not move. And yet he is brave enough in this moment to climb a cliff underneath the stench and the heat of this monster in order to confront it once more. The next passage says, Then he drew Gurthang, the black blade, and with all his might of his arm and of his hate, he thrust it into the soft belly of the worm, 
even up to the hilt. Turin finds his moment. He's climbing up the cliff, the belly of the dragon above him. And it's it's got to be gigantic at this point. It's like a, like a roof above him. And we know Gurthang, the Black Blade. We know its hunger. We know how sharp it is. It has been reforged. I don't know if reforged is the right way to say it, but it has been cleaned up, <laughs> sharpened, and has killed numerous orcs. And this blade that the enemy fears is now in the hand of Turin, who thrusts it upward into the belly of the dragon. And as you can imagine, Glaring didn't like this very much. Here's what it says. He screamed, and in his dreadful throw, he heaved up his bulk and hurled himself across the chasm, and there lay lashing and coiling in his agony. And he set all in a blaze about him and beat all to ruin, until at his last his fires died, and he lay still. We also know that in this moment, as the dragon's body twisted and turned and, and he coiled up, it pulled the sword out of Turin's hand, which makes sense. I mean, think about it. If, if Turin had been able to continue holding onto that blade, he would have been flung into the air, probably, as this gigantic monster turned over. But he didn't. He let it go. And after this cacophony of agony and fire, Turin finishes climbing up and he approaches his enemy. Here's what the passage says. Turumbar therefore crossed the water once more, desiring to recover his sword and to look upon his foe. And he found him stretched at his length and rolled upon one side and the hilts of Gurthang stood in his belly. Then Turumbar seized the hilts and set his foot upon the belly and cried in mockery of the dragon and his words at Nargothrond, Hail, worm of Morgoth, well met again. Die now, and the darkness have thee. Thus is Turin, son of Hurin, avenged. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio.